Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the IFL TV podcast in association with Lonsdale MTK Global, sponsored by William Hill. This is Omar Ahmed for IFL City, proudly sponsored by Everlast. I'm at the headquarters of Frank Warren. We're going to do something slightly different today, Frank. For once, I'm not going to be asking the questions. They're going to be directly from the fans. Ah, right, good. So, yeah, just a bit of a different one today. The first one is actually from one of your fighters, a bit of a light-hearted question. It's from uh, Troy Williamson. Who's Frank's best £154 fighter? Blimey, cheeky son. <laughs> I love you all. It's a great little division. That oh, it's lovely. I mean, and they're good fighters. They're all good fighters. I mean, Troy's, he's exciting, so then he can, I mean, he's got that great punch of his. So, uh, and he's a nice fella. So, Troy, we love you dearly. But go, go and win that British title and then we can make an in-house big fight between you and Hamza. Okay, next question is from 26 Payne. How has Frank adapted when his company... Uh, has moved from Sky to Box Nation and now BT. How did he find leaving Sky and then setting up Box Nation? At any point did he think it wasn't going to work through the lack of channel exposure in terms of Box Nation? And also, he adds on, did he seek BT or vice versa? So a lot there. So we'll talk about the transition from kind of Sky to Box Nation to BT. Right, well, what happened was that, I think, you know, we, we talked about this in the past. I left um, Sky a, basically a year before my contract was over. And the reason I left with then is because the, the state of mind of the then uh, head of sport, Barney Francis, was that, you know, he was cutting back on boxing. And I think there were about three or four of us as promoters at the time had deals. And the deal he was promote, proposing for the following years that we got eight dates each hmm. and he was going to pay us 100 grand a show. So he was getting 800 grand. So that made my decision for me. And I thought, well, if, we're, if that's where they were, and they based that decision off of some pay-per-view shows that they did that they had some problems with, if you remember. They had some problems with the shows and uh, they sort of basically fell out of love and they started, and they were also having to pay a lot of money for the Premiership football back then. Um, 
and I decided to um, you know do my own thing. I thought well, I'm going to I'm not going to I'm not going to make certainly not make any money, mm. and I'd be lucky to survive on 800 grand a year total rights fees to run you know run and run a boxing business and build fighters. So we went off and thought let's go and go at doing our own thing, and that's why our box nation coming to be. Mm. And then also yeah, setting up box nation. Do you think it was a big risk through the uh, lack well, of exposure? It was a ma massive. Well, we started day one with no subscribers. I mean, it wasn't like you're taking over a business. I mean, it was day, you know, day one, nothing. But we built it up into a position where I think it was, you know, sort of breakthrough fight for us was when we did the, uh, we did the Klitschko and uh, Chisora fight, mm. which done okay. And then that, all that trouble in Germany with um, David Hay, and that became a big fight. And we did that fight and we did big numbers on that. I, I bet you we've done, we've done more numbers on that than the, the zone fight's done at the moment in the UK on subscription. And we weren't charging two quid then, which I think are about 10 pounds for the, for, the, for the thing. And that did well, we started building a base up with it, but it was tough. I mean, we invested a lot of money and we lost a lot of money. I mean, you know, it took, it's, we was losing money continually every, every year. I mean, it, you know, and I compare it with the zone, obviously the zone's better funded than we were. I mean, at the time I had a partner, Bill Ives, who's unfortunately passed away, owns Raynham Steel. They were one of the, well, they are the, the, uh, one of the biggest steel stockholders in Europe. And we, we sunk a lot of money into the business, but, you know, um, Salem Blavnik owns the zone. Mm. And I mean, he's, the, the, they've been posting losses of one and a half billion a year, I think, for the last two years. So it's, it's tough. It's not an easy job. They've got a tough job, so they probably understand now how, how difficult it was. And I remember at the time, you know, uh, our opposition, Matram, saying it, it'll die, you know, nobody wants to watch uh, boxing like that. And, it'll, you know, um, you've got to be with a, a big, big organisation. And he was very lucky that you know, what happened to him is that BT did come into being, you know, within a few months of me leaving, they come into being. And I think that that really livened Sky up as far as thinking itself, we've got competition now. And they obviously got some football uh, premiership. They wound up getting the Europa, they wound up getting the Champions, Champions League, BT. And they were terrified, I think, that they were going to start, you know, getting stuck into the boxing. So they reinvested in boxing. Mm. So that, I'd left. So he was lucky, whatever it was, you know, nine months, 10 or 12 months later, whatever it was, that they decided they'll they'll dip their toe back in the water and start reinvesting it. So that that was it. And uh, BT, it took them a couple of years, but then they, you know, they spoke to us immediately. But we we had Box Nation on the go, and we had to make in the end a, a very a commercial decision. I mean, we invested nearly between us, we invested nearly 30 million quid into the business. So would you say it was mutual? Did you seek BT? Did they seek you? Was it a mutual thing? It was a mutual, mutual thing, really. You know, and uh, and it turned out to be a good thing for everybody concerned. Okay, the next question from Everything Boxing: uh, What is the most rewarding bit about being a promoter, Frank? For me, the, the most rewarding thing is sitting there on the night when you've got when you've been involved getting a really great fight together, and all the shenanigans and all the crap that goes on leading up to it. You know, a, a lot of things the public don't, you know, they, they surmise they know, but they don't know half of the things that go on. And sometimes it can be quite boring. Sometimes it can be quite annoying. Uh, but eventually, once you get it over the line and you're sitting there and you're watching it, and, it, and especially if it's a great fight, then it's, uh, you know, that's very satisfying. And I've been very privileged, you know, 
40, well, since I've been in the business now, is it 43, 44 years now, to have been involved in some really spectacular fight nights and I've enjoyed them over the years and met you know people I never dreamed never dreamt to meet when I was living in Priory Green Estate Council Flat in Islington you know so I've been I've been blessed I've been lucky and uh, and every time I sit there and there's a big fight on I do think to myself you know how lucky I am to probably have the best seat in the house. Harry Lane has asked what was his biggest setback in terms of boxing and how did he overcome that? Uh, uh, I when I came into boxing, it was very difficult to start with because it was a closed shop. Mm. <clears throat> there was only one TV company brought, there was only two TV companies, BBC and ITV, and only one of them were broadcasting any fights. ITV were only buying overseas fights back then. Mm. They had no interest in the domestic market. So that to me was the biggest challenge and that was my biggest challenge. And that's what I had to, I had to overcome. I was up against the system. The border control back then weren't very helpful. And it, you know, the, the promoters, they were called the cartel back then, there was a, three promoters and a manager who controlled most of the talent and most of the venues back then. There was only a couple of venues in London really that you could promote on a regular basis and they had exclusives on them. And it was very difficult and that, that for me was my biggest challenge. Because okay. if, if I had to come through that, <laughs> I wouldn't be doing that. <laughs> Okay, uh, Andrew's asked, since he's been a promoter, what does he think is the best event or show he's ever put on in terms of card quality? And how did it do in terms of numbers and money generated? It's funny, it's different eras, different decades. Mm. You know, I mean, immediately you think to what generate, you know, the biggest, what generates a lot of money was the first pay-per-view, which, which we did on Sky, which was uh, Frank Bruno defending his title in Vegas against Mike Tyson. That was a big fight. It was a big fight in America. You know, it was a big fight in America. Done big numbers on pay-per-view there with Don King and myself. That was a massive show. Um, lots of and lots for different reasons. You know, we got. I mean, early days you'd get big ratings, but you know, it was a flat fee you was working on. There was no pay-per-view. You'd be on terrestrial TV, but you'd get massive audiences. You could get, you know, anything between sort of for a big fight, anything from 10 to 20 million people would watch it back then. Now, it's, uh, you know, the big fights are determined by pay-per-view. And there's been a few over the years that have done extremely big business. We've had big gates over the year. I mean, Kawasaki and, uh, Kawasaki and Kessler. At the time, that was with the roof on in Cardiff in winter. That was the biggest uh, indoor event at that time. It was class an indoor event. There was 50, 54,000 in there back then. Um, there's been loads of them over the years, you know, lo lo lots of them. It's been... Um, and it's, it's also depended on the size of the venues because, you know, as I say, back then the venues were smaller. Mm. I mean, the Albert was the size it is, but Wembley at those days only held 9,000 people you know, indoors. Yeah. All right, James Jones has asked a question you might have to think about a little bit. What is your top five all-time fights you promoted? Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, look, off the, off the top, I'm not going to insult anybody. And no, in no specific mm. order, and fights that I've promoted or been joint promoter in, um, I would think uh, I would say Bruno beating um, McCourt Wembley. He'd been to the well three times. He was he was with the uh, other promoters, and he came with me. And everybody thought he was you know he was washed up. It was all over. We got him into a good position. Mm. Fought, won the world title there. That was brilliant. That was a good night. 
Um, Naz, he had some spectacular nights, Naz, but the one I really enjoyed was when we went to the States, Madison Square Gardens. You know, no, uh, no Brit had ever put a show on there, a boxing show on there before. Um, we were told it was going to fall on its on its ass. It was, um, I think, it was about six or seven days before Christmas. They said it's a bad time to do it. I remember Bob Aram saying, "You, you know, you do your brains down." And it, it was the highest grossing featherweight fight back then that had ever taken place at the Garden. And it was a tremendous fight. I mean, a really exciting fight. That was a good night. Um, Ricky beaten Costa Zoo, which was a, you know, again, I enjoyed that. Tyson, you know, both those fights, I call them one fight, both the fights against Wilder because he'd done such a brilliant, such a brilliant performance and, and done the business. They, that, that, they, both of those were, were great fights. Um, God, I'm, I'm terrible, a great fight, but ter and with ter terrible and tragic consequences, McClellan Ben, uh, for all, all the obvious reasons that are well documented. There's been a bit, there's been a load of them over the years. A lot of fights, um, you know, just really good quality fights that I've been involved with. Um, I enjoyed all of them. I mean, and I, you know, and I still do. You know, when uh, you know, I, I think just re, you know, over the last few years as well, I thought when Billy Joe Saunders and Eubanks, I thought that was a very competitive and a good fight for different reasons for me. You know, it was on the undercard of. Um, uh, Tyson and Chisora and, and I fancied Chisora to beat Tyson that night and the place was you know quite busy but that was a, that was a good that, those two that was a, a, a good fight um, Steve Collins in Cork against um, Chris Eubanks when he beat him there's been a lot of them mm. and it's very difficult to sort of pin one down I've, I've been you know as I say mentioned earlier in an earlier question I've been blessed and been lucky to be involved in a lot of good fights and continue to be involved in them just to add to that uh, I know it's not a question from here but you were talking about venues etc there have you ever or would it be a regret if you retired and didn't promote a fight at Arsenal oh absolutely I'm determined to do that I'm determined in fact we were there yesterday with Joe Joyce um, you know he's fighting on on uh, Saturday, he's got a tough fight. Hopefully, he come through. And we, you know, I'd like to see him get it on there next year. Yeah, he's an Arsenal fan. Okay. World title, maybe a rematch with Daniel Dubois. He wins the world title, or both of them. You know, da Daniel's now a, uh, an interim champion. They win some form of world. They win a world title, whatever they get. What a big, big place that'd be. That'd be a monster, wouldn't it? Down the road. Do you think Joe in the right fight? could do 50, 60,000 there? I think the right fight, yeah. I mean, you know, you look at it and people think, you know, it's about promotion, isn't it, at the end of the day? I mean, unfortunately, we've been in unique circumstances the last year, so we've not been able to promote how we would like to do the things we'd like to do, especially with a, you know, with a live audience, which helps to make an event more, um, you know, more colourful and obviously gives it more atmosphere. But, yeah, I, I, you know, I know we can build them into being, into being a, into a big fight happening there. And we will do it. We will do it. Right. I need to stop uh, helping myself asking my own questions. Back to back to the fans. Uh, More memes has asked. What is one aspect of the nineties era of boxing promotions that you wish still existed? The nineties. Yeah. Handshake deals. You know, people's words were their bond. Does that still exist at all right now, or not? Not as much as it did. That's for sure. I mean. 
there's an old adage, you know, handshake's not worth the paper it's written on these days. Mm. And uh, that's, that's how it seems it turns out. But no, look, every, every era is different. Everything's, I mean, if I, when you're living in the moment at that time, where it's the, you know, 70s, 80s, all the way through, whatever, wherever, whatever you're in, you're dealing with that particular, that, 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 that particular, um, that environment, that business environment, that's what you're working in. You know, how people watch the sport. You know, as I mentioned earlier on, it was just on one channel, and it became on two channels. Now, it's on lots of channels, it's all changed. They can watch it, stream it, watch it all sorts of different ways. Mm. You know, if you wanted to fight, watch a big fight from the States, you had to go to the cinema at five o'clock in the morning, pay 20, 25 quid. A lot of money back then to watch a fight. You know, Leicester Square, Odeon, and things like that. Now it's pay-per-view, it's delivered to your home. Various, you know, various different ways. So you just adapt to the particular time and era that you're in. And, and, and a great exponent of that has been Bob Arum. You know, he's the one person who's older than me in the sport. And, you know, look what he's done over the years. He's been very innovative and worked very hard all the way through. And, uh, and he's still at, still at the top of his game. Mm. So it's just, you know, it's, just, it's dealing, dealing, with, dealing with the environment and you're, you're in, more importantly, trying to form and establish good relationships with, with, within the business with people you're working with. Okay, this question is from Boxeo Logic. How do you assess the progress of the remaining fighters from the original BT deal photo, and why do you feel like you were unable to keep many of the premier boxes included in that deal? So we'll go through. I, don't know, I haven't got the photo. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll go one by one. So yeah. let's start with Daniel Dubois. His progress from that photo. Well, he got involved in. in we, he did really well. Got involved in one of the biggest domestic heavyweight fights in years. In a in a very good fight up until the up until you know up until the end of it. Uh, and he's since come back and he's now the WBA interim champion. So and he's still a young man and he's in a good position to challenge for the full title and will do. So, you know, a, a blip, glitch, whatever you want to call it, but it's up to him. He's back in the, back in the, it, up and running now and come back and got yourself into a good position. So I'm pleased where he's at at this moment in time. Well, I think it's fair to say when that photo was taken, he certainly wasn't a marquee name in no one boxing, but, but no, now no, he's certainly no, he, only had, he only had, what, 11... Was it, no seven senior bouts as a as a an amateur? No one knew him. We'd done a great job with him. So what do I think? I think we'd done a great job. Everyone knows who he is, and he was involved in the last year. Him and Joe Joyce were involved in the highest rated um, subscription TV show, a boxing show. Yeah. You know, done the, between the two channels or all the channels that show any boxing on subscription. It was the highest rated show. Jack Gatrell. Jack's number one. He's number one. He's you know he's he, again we've done a great job of him keeping that number one position. He's the mandatory. I'm delighted where he's at, and he's obviously going to fight Josh Taylor next. Anthony Yard. Anthony Yard went and fought for a world title. We've done a great job again. Somebody who only had 11 bouts. Oh, sorry, yeah, 11 bouts, wasn't it? As an amateur, 11 or 12 bouts. No one knew who he was. We've done a great job in promoting him, and it got to a stage where we got to Russia, and. He was what ten seconds away before coming. Five seconds. Champions. Five <laughs> seconds away. But you know what, Umar? It, that's boxing. You know, nothing's guaranteed. But he got to fight for a world title, and he's and he's you know he's unfortunately he was supposed to be fighting on Saturday, but there's been a problem with opponents. But now he'll um, he'll fight very soon. We'll get a new date for him, and then him and Lyndon will get it on again, which was a which is a good fight. So 
I'm I'm pleased where he is. Um, shame, shame Linda weren't in the photograph, but I'm pleased where he is now, and he's he's he's, he's making his way back. Billy Joe Saunders. Well, Billy, when he had that photo, it, was he world champion at that time? I don't think he must have been. Yeah, yeah. So he came as world champion. Well documented all the problems that he had. We got him out to the states. Oh, sorry, into Canada. He had that great win in Canada. Um, then had the problems with the failing of the drug tests and all the nonsense that went on with that. So. Unfortunately, beyond my control, um, he was stripped of his, or he vacated his title. But we done a great job in getting him back and getting a, a, a title at a different weight. He went up a weight, won a world title. And it got to a stage where I was not very happy in as much, as much hard work we was doing. We weren't being able to maximize on that because he was either getting injured, pulling out of fights in between. So we, I made, and he, we had a good, out the heart and decided to go our separate ways and I wished him well he's a friend now and he went on and I think was well, it took him about 18 20 months or whatever it was to get his shot with Canelo and we all know what happened in that fight but he'd have got the fight with Canelo anyway if he'd have stayed but if, if we'd have stayed together so he left when he left when he left how do I feel about that it was mutual it was mutual and if you asked him the question he'd tell you the same mm. it wasn't I want to go or you know, piss off. It was like the Pope sat down and I felt I'd done as much as I wanted to do, mm. which was getting back in after all the problems that went on behind the scenes, the well-documented problems. Tyson Fury. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Carry on. Number one heavyweight in the world. Who everybody said he won't do it. He's... What is he? That came in, again, well documented, 11 stone overweight, did ah, did ah, did ah, got him in a position to fight for the world title. Robbed the first time, fought and won it, subsequently won it, uh, in absolute style, one of the best overseas performances of a British fighter, heavyweight, whatever, whatever way you want to look at it, and uh, not a bad job. Same again on July 24th? Yep. Okay, Josh Warrington. Josh came to us. Um, having been told, and it was said publicly, he wasn't an attraction, doesn't do any business. I mean, they're not my words, they were the words of from Matchroom. And we delivered him his dream, we built him up. He got good, made good fights for him, got him a world title fight. Leeds football ground, something he always wanted, delivered it to him, won the world title. Uh, our contract expired. The grass was greener, and the rest is history. He's no longer world champion. When I had a match, which I, I don't want to get into it, you know, it's unfortunate what happened to him. He is where he is. He must, he obviously, I don't know if he feels comfortable with what happened. That's upset, you know, but, you know, that's yesterday's news, but I delivered for him, big time. Liam Smith. Liam won the world title on me, as you know. Um, again, 
do you know I really regret William because I like Liam and I had a really good you know got on well together and I had a lot of respect for Liam a lot of respect he had those couple of good fights with Liam Williams um, and he was he felt the grass was greener and I didn't want to stand in his way I look I, you know I look at it at the end of that I think you know what is it going to cost me to get him to where he needs to be you know what fights I've got to got to do you know I can remember he, you know where he's at what, what how am I going to make this work because he fought Canelo well, bad was it? We got in a fight with Canelo. He got a big payday for that. Probably his biggest payday. And uh, cut a long story short, I, I wish now that I that we hadn't fight because I could have got him back in the position to fight for a world title again. I know I could have, but you know you better ask him what's happened with his career now. He's um, you know I don't think anything significant happened since. Okay, moving on from that question, Matt Pullen. Uh, but what about the fight? The, you know, the, you think about where we are as well with fighters. It's you know, it's a moving feast with boxers. You know, boxers come and go. Yeah, you know, at the moment, I think we got about who we got. We've got I mentioned Jack earlier, Ponce. Yeah. Both man, number one mandatory challenges for the various organisations to um, Josh Taylor. We've got Daniel Dubois, I mentioned, interim champion. We've got. Um, uh, Parker, Zach Parker, WBO number one. He's the mandatory challenger to Canelo, so he's in a great position there. Uh, Joe Joyce, he's now the number. He's now the mandatory. Mm. So you know, I look at that and I think to myself, you know, that's how it is. They're all in a mandatory position. Uh, obviously, Tyson's there, Sonny Edwards, and we've got a wealth, as you know, of, of great young talent that's breaking through at the moment. And you know, I think. Over the next year or so, we're going to see some real, you know, some some of these youngsters come through and really going to do some good business. Mm. Yeah, people like Hamza Shiraz and Dennis McCann, we haven't well, even mentioned right. it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, it's a, it's a roster of those, yeah. and we've done a real good job bringing them through. All right, this from Cole that. Frampton came from, came on board. Oh, remember? he was in that photo, so yeah, I forgot yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Cole, only I just talked about Cole come through. Cole was the, uh, he became interim champion, didn't he? And then went on to have a, uh, yeah, have some title fight. So you know, we we we've done a good job for our guys, and then obviously Cole retired. And obviously, that, that massive night of Windsor Park as well for him. We delivered him his dream. That's where he wanted to fight. We delivered him his dream. Okay, this is from Matt Pullen. If you could make a Super Six style heavyweight tournament, but had to have three fighters that you used to promote at heavyweight and three of your current heavyweights, who would they be, and who would come out on top? Three who used to be with us. Yeah, and three current. So I think your three current are pretty obvious in, in Tyson, Joe and Daniel. Am I right? Well, the other three, I'm not saying who I used to promote, but I'd like, you'd like to see AJ in there. No, this is only fighters have been under your banner. Oh, under that. All right, under my banner. So th your three current ones, I think Tyson, Daniel and Joe are the obvious ones. Bruno. And then your three X ones, Frank. Bruno. I'll put Chisora in, because right. you know you're going to get a fight. Yeah. It, it, it'd make out of numbers and um, Herbie Hyde okay. won a world title with me so you've got Herbie Hyde Frank Bruno Derek Chisora Tyson Fury Daniel Dubois and Joe Joyce Matt's asked who comes out on top at this stage it, well if, if those guys that you mentioned were at their peak of their careers and I think at, at, well a couple of them were not at their peak you know you can't say uh, Dubois and Joe Joyce are at their peak yet but at you know, as it stands now, you know, the one who's the best out of them at the moment is is Tyson. I think Tyson's the best heavyweight of his generation. Mm. 
Mm. Where do you compare him to Lennox Lewis? I think him and I think Lennox and him would be a really, really interesting, exciting fight. Mm. And I think that I think uh, you know Tyson at his best. And I don't think we've seen Tyson at his best. That's really scary, don't. that isn't it? Well, because the, you know you, when he came back, you think about the weight he was mm. carrying and so forth. You haven't seen him at his best, but then Lennox was Lennox was in some tremendous fights. But I think at their at their prime, I would I would edge with Tyson. Okay. All right. Next question. Where are we? Okay. From Reese, what's his thoughts on purses being public knowledge? Does he think more transparency on what fighters getting paid would help the sport? I don't know really. I don't understand. I don't understand. You know, what, how would it help the sport by people knowing how much they get paid? You know, and also, you know, but boxers don't want to know how much they're getting paid. You know, do you do you want your salary published? This is not the BBC. We're not paid for by taxpayers' money. You know, we finance the shows, but that's up to the boxer. I, I you know, I have no problem if a boxer would say this is how much I've earned. Mm. That's up to him. That's that's his prerogative, but you know, all these deals that we do, you know, the, the the norm is they don't want it to be. They don't want what they're getting paid to be made public, and I've got to be honest, I don't think I want to be making it public how much I'm paying people. Mm. Yeah, that's a fair comment. How much like insider knowledge do you get about what other fighters are getting paid from sort of top rank Golden Boy and Matram? How, how much? Information you, you get, get that. everyone also knows in the business, you know, the generally what it is. But you've got to remember, at the, at the top level, boxers get paid according to what the pay per view generates 95% of the time because that is the true indication of how much a boxer's worth his value is. Because the public are buying tickets and the public are paying to watch it on pay per view. So if it does well, they'll do well. The public don't buy it, and obviously they weren't interested by the fight. And that determines their true value. And that's why, you know, you think that Floyd Mayweather, you know, how astute he is, he's probably, for me, he's probably the best, not as a fighter, but probably the best promoter of the last 15 years or so with what he's done with himself and how he's promoted himself and how astute he's been in picking opponents and so forth, he's fought, and how much money he's earned. So, and that's all down to his work. And remember, he's, he's a fighter who never had any endorsements, mm. you know, because of some of the things that he said in the past and, and things that he did. He wasn't somebody who was, you know, was carrying on, you know, all the different brands were attaching their names to him. So he, and he hit, what, Forbes, Forbes magazine about five or six times as the highest paid athlete. So his true worth is what the public will pay to see him. All right, this is from UK Boxing 11. You never ask about departures, Umar, so ask Frank, as you never did, in brackets, about, firstly, we'll go with Lerone Richards. About his departure. Well, that's a saucy question. His <laughs> departure. Well, his departure, it wasn't he left. We, we, we wanted him to fight Willie Hutchinson, the border control order, and he didn't want to do it. So if that's, I look at that, at that time, I look at that and think, well, if you're not going to, you're not going to willing to take that fight. What, what, so, what fights are we going to make for you? What am I supposed to do then? Well, you don't want to fight. You don't want to, you know, defend your title, which you've been ordered by the boxing board of control at the time. You don't want to do that. So, that's, you know, that 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 wasn't acceptable to me. Okay. The next one he's asked about is Jack Massey. 
Jack again. He, uh, you know, we had a British title fight for him, but he wanted a, he wanted a fight in between. And I like Jack. Jack's a really good guy, and I wish him well. But you know, you know, sometimes you got to just from our perspective, we want to get on with the title fights. Mm. And the last one he's asked about is Jordan Thompson. Well, Jordan Thompson, I know he's, I know his dad very well. I've known him for a long, long time. Really nice man. And uh, he got he, he had some issues, which I don't want to go into. Disappeared for a while. Um, at the end of the day. We, you know, we, we, I think we just let the contract go. And that was it. You know, look, you can't dip in and out of boxing. You've got to be committed. You've got to be, you know, if you, if you want to be, a, you want to be, you want to give that commitment, then great. But if there's no commitment at times, and you're going on the missing, that's no value. Stevens asked if you could sign one fighter from Matram except the pay-per-view fighters in Joshua and White. Who would it be and why? So one fighter. Only one. Yeah, but not Joshua White. I think Mr. Buatsi, because we've got that roster of three <laughs> light heavyweights. It makes sense. We can make some great fights there for the public want to see. Yeah. You know, I'd love to love that. I mean, I, you know, I, I like watching. Okay. Right, next question. Okay, this is from Neil. Uh, in all the years of professionally promoting, what is your biggest regret in the profession? My biggest regret is the, uh, been, which has happened on the very, very rare occasions of a death in the ring. That's when you sort of sit back and think, hang on a minute, that, that, they're the times, they're the times when you, you know, that, 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 that I find troubling and and the health aspects of it my biggest regret is there is not a, a worldwide medical council and that you know boxers such as Danny Williams who I really really like Danny he was a very brave fighter beat Mike Tyson um, but you know when he was advised to retire he was able to go off and fight in different countries when he shouldn't be fighting I mean only as recently as 18 months ago or so so that is a big regret for me Regarding falling out with fighters, that happens to everybody in the sport. You know, it's no different than any other sport or life. Sometimes, that's that's how it is. Uh, the medical aspect to me is 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 the thing that sometimes disappoints me, and 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 the things that happen behind the scenes. I think you make a, a very good point there, um, Stephen. Who I previously asked the questions asked the number one. Which fighter does Frank feel we did the best job for as promoter? And also on reflection, which does he feel? Or wish he could have done more for. Blimey. When it's been, you know, I, I, again, I can't, it's a very difficult question. It's a good question, but a difficult one to answer. And again, it's about times and eras and bringing people through. You know, I mean, I think I did a great job. For ex for example, with Anthony Yard, for somebody who nobody, nobody knew, we built him up into be a big name. I mean, he was more well known fact than, jo than, than, than Joshua Batsy who went to the Olympics he was the more recognisable fighter at one stage and, and jo you know Batsy's done brilliantly now but um, we done I done well for him getting him into the world title shot and everything um, at that you know as it was then but I can look at people like you know, the Cattons the Kawasaki's um, I can look at um, Josh Warrington Tyson Billy Joe Saunders. I mean, Bill's a you know Bill was you know a lovely friend. That's hard work promoting Bill. 
that is that was like a challenge in itself i'm lucky i've got any hair any hair i've got i'm lucky i've still got it you know but that was a challenge so it's it's all different you know joe joe was hard work joe joe was joe was a tremendous fighter and it was but you know there was a time where he was pulling out 50% of his fights for various reasons. It was very frustrating. Like the Lacey fight, he pulled out. Twice he pulled out before we got it on. And he was going to pull out 10 days before that if I hadn't spoken to him and had a long discussion with him. But that was it. Naz. Naz was a big disappointment. That was a big disappointment for me because he never fulfilled his true potential. And he was a great fighter. At his best, at his best for me, at his very best, he was the best fighter that I promoted at his best. Now, I know there's still a couple of fights in there, so I'm talking about fighters who are no longer fighting. But at his best, he was, he was, he was a great fighter. And I've done a great job with Ricky. I mean, you know, Ricky says it was the highlight of his life, his best, best night of his life, and I know it was. And I picked that match dead right at the right time for him. And yeah, any modern reflection you felt like you could have done more for, or is there not? I, look, there, there's of course sometimes you make it like you, you make a decision. You, you know, you, you think you've made the right decision, and anything, one punch can change the whole dynamic of a career or a fight. And I've been in that position, or fighters have been in that position. I've been involved with. Um, as a, you know, I've already mentioned Naz. Um, there was a young fighter many, many years ago. Two two brothers from Reading, um, Yateley and Reading. One was called George Collins, an outstanding amateur. In, you know, I think about thirty odd wins with me and got and I think it was I think he thought oh, it's Kirkland Lang at the time I'm sure it was but he got beat but his brother was was a phenomenal fighter Tony but he just had no discipline he was the, he probably for me was a real real disappointment because he he was probably one of the most talented fighters I've seen I'd seen at that stage um, and just blew it all away bad living no discipline, getting in trouble, so forth. Okay, Brandon has asked, my question for Frank would be, after everything that's happened during his career, what will be the thing he misses the most when his time finally does come back uh, to step back, if he ever does step back from the sport? I'll let you know when I step back. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what it would be, don't have to spend money on an anodin. <laughs> um, Boxing's First has asked, has the birth of social media and fans having access to fighters 24-7 made promoting easier or harder? It's a bit of both really because sometimes you know you get stuff on things leak out and sometimes they're true sometimes they're untrue and it causes problems to, to make fights. Um, the other side of it is good to publicise fights. Bun 50 has asked how difficult is it to explain to fighters that you will keep supporting them after a loss and what is the process? Uh, well, Derek Chisora is a prime example. You know, um, he, he lost about four or five on the bounce and every time he got a bigger fight. So <laughs> I said, keep that. we'll get there one day. We'll get there one day. That was good. That, yeah, it's, it's, good. It, it, it's there. Look, we're, we're in a position at the moment. We got it with, we had it with, with, uh, Daniel Dubois, you know, I, I, I still believe in him and he believes in himself and he, he, he came back in good style right over that injury. And I can think back over the years, fighters who have been beaten but come out. Frank Bruno, as we spoke about earlier, he didn't lose lose with me, but I sat down and I said, I know you can do I know you can do this. If we if we can get it get the fight in the UK, I can get the guy at the right time, we can do it. 
and he did against Oliver McCall, and McCall knocked out Lennox Lewis. Last question, it's from Charlie Charlton. Try and answer this one as honest as you can, Frank. How long does Frank think he has left in a business? Charlie, Charlie. <laughs> I don't know, mate. It depends, as long as I've got my enthusiasm. Do you reckon you'll do what, what Bob's doing? I don't know. I, I mean, I don't particularly want to be jumping it. I mean, he does. He does. I don't do what Bob does now. You know, I don't want to be jumping on a plane every, you know, once or twice a week, flying all over the place. You know, I like to see, spend a bit of time at home. I like I see my grandkids now and so forth. So, I um, I I spend a lot of time working. I still enjoy it. I enjoy the cut and thrust of it at times. There's other times I think I could do without this, but the, the bottom line of all of it is, is uh, I'll do it as long as I want to do it and, and feel like I want to be doing it. Do you not just feel like going to, like, to a beach or going to Spain and just living in the sunset? No? That's what old people do. <laughs> well, on that note... What do I want to be going later? Like, what are you trying to get me... I've got go faster stripes on my Zimmer frame, mate. <laughs> I can move. Don't worry about that. Still, long as I can move, long as I've got, long as this is still working, I'll keep plugging away. Now, I, I, listen, I love it. I love the sport more than anything. And I, and, I, and at the moment, the enthusiasm I've got for these, this, this young talent we've got will keep me going for a long time. Yet, yeah, I hope. Okay. On that note, Frank Warren, thank you very much for doing this Q and A. Thank you. Mate. And uh, we'll speak to you soon. Obviously, fight week commences from tomorrow, so I'll speak to you tomorrow. Right? You will do, young man. Thank Cheers. You. I enjoyed the questions. Very interesting. It's nice to know what the fans are thinking. Matt Pullen, we'll see you at Joe Joyce Tackham on the 24th. You've got two best tickets. Hope you enjoy the night. Thanks for listening to the IFL TV podcast, sponsored by William Hill, in association with Lonsdale MTK Global. Sports Social Podcast Network.